continue to pray, continue to pray for the hearts of those young people. They are, you know, Josiah Venture is attempting to reach the young people there in, in uh, the Czech Republic. I, I think actually uh, the reports I've heard is there's only 1% Christians in that country. So uh, it's a wide open harvest field. Um, just wanted to mention that um, um, most of you know we are doing a master plan for the church right now. We had the uh, second group of individuals come in last weekend. They were actually at our services and just evaluated, you know, what's going on here. Took a lot of pictures and uh, we met, there was a group of us, about 20 of us who met with the, the team on uh, Sunday afternoon, and then we met again with them for another three hours on, on Monday morning. And, and we're just trying to figure out a master plan for this um, because we don't want to build something or, you know, make a road someplace and then have to tear it up a couple years later because it doesn't fit in with what we want overall. And so that went really well. But I, I guess the thing that I... I would like us most to pray is is when we were talking about our church and we asked the staff and we asked the elders and deacons and people who were gathered there, we asked them, give a one-word description of our church. And the, the words that were used most often were home and family. That this is, this is family uh, for a lot of people. This is home for a lot of people. Many of us don't have relatives around here. Maybe we don't have kids or parents around here. But, um, and we realize we are that. And so really that's what we want to reflect, both in terms of individuals, you know, people, but also in terms of even buildings. We want it to be a welcoming place that people walk in and they kind of feel like, wow, family reunion, uh, old, old home week, uh, things like that. And so uh, we, we really um, would like your prayers as they continue. They will be giving us an initial report in a couple of weeks and then a, a final report, I think maybe in June or something like that, just in terms of what we can do and kind of phases and things like that. So it's just a beginning process for us, but we thought before we start considering you know, what we could do to better minister to people, uh, we thought we needed to have a master plan. And so that's why, why we're doing what we're doing. It's been very profitable. I, I've, I've been excited uh, the way that they led us in, in coming to conclusions, and uh, not conclusions they wanted, conclusions we wanted. And, and so uh, thank you for praying for us and continue that, because that will... Those people will be working on uh, what would be best for us, um, what would be best for us as a body of believers, as as a home um, in the in the future. And so, uh, thank you for praying. And please, we would ask you to continue. Uh, we're going to be doing the uh, Lord's Supper a little later. I'm going to ask. Uh, this is after the message, but Bob and Lisa and Rich and Carla and Rudd and Althea and Jim and Monica, if they would uh, be prepared to help serve. Uh, this morning as uh, we observe the Lord's Supper, but that will be after our message. Uh, I, I just want to share with you that my mind is so full this morning because of Romans chapter 6. I, I you know, personally, I, I just can't get enough of that. I, I think probably you think we get more than enough, but I, you know, I, I just, um, this 
I guess if I could only teach one chapter in Scripture, it would be this chapter. If I could only communicate one thing. And if you haven't been here for the last two weeks, I would encourage you to go to our website and either you know, listen to the podcast or, or watch the... Uh, um, you know, watch the messages uh, on the web. It's not too exciting to watch me in action, but uh, just listen to the words. That's what's really important there. But we're drawing a picture, and the Bible says this picture is, you know, if if you're a visual person, this picture is that we died with Christ, we're buried with Christ, and we're raised with Christ to walk in newness of life. There's a purpose in our deaths with Christ, our burials with Christ, our being raised, our resurrections with Christ. There's a purpose in that is so we can walk in newness of life. And so today we are going to be looking at Romans chapter 6, verses 11 through 14. And what's interesting about these verses is that it's really the only place in chapters, in, in chapters 5, 6, 7, and 8 of Romans that he tells us to do something, how to respond. Mainly he's just telling us, here are the results. People, four chapters full of results of what happened when you came to know Jesus as Lord and Savior of your life, when, as the Bible talks about it, when you were justified by faith. It's a legal term. It means just or right with God. When you were justified by faith in Jesus. So I I pray that we're getting this. But today, he gets very practical, and I use this all the time. And so uh, a little later on, we're going to draw a circle. That's about all I'm capable of drawing. But we're going to draw a circle and fill it in. It's called the victory cycle. So uh, let's uh, pray together. And Father, we we do pray that we would grasp uh, when, when you had the Apostle Paul inspired to write these words. We, we are so grateful for them because they are life-changing. They are life-transforming. They truly do. You have changed us, and we need to recognize that. And then it tells us how to respond to those changes that have taken place. So may we get it really well. Thank you. Thank you for the privilege of knowing these truths. I, I know for myself, they, were, uh, they changed the direction the way that I dealt with life, the, the way that I dealt with the temptations that I so easily gave into, um, it really changed me, first of all, to learn what you had done when I became a Christian, and then how to apply that in a practical way. So may this passage be used greatly in our lives today, and it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Romans chapter 6. How, you know, how can we respond to the, the, the picture that's drawn in verses 1 through 10? How can we respond to the facts that we are new people in Jesus Christ? Um, what's the biblical way to react to the truths that are given in these 10 verses. And and Romans chapter 6, verses 1 through 10, he starts out and he says, you know, are we to continue in a lifestyle? Since we can't out-sin God's grace, (laughs) wonderful truth, since we can't out-sin God's grace, uh, uh, 
Shall we continue in sin so that God's grace will be seen all the more? And Paul answers in the strongest way in the Greek language, no way. That is such illogical thinking. How shall we who died to sin still live in it? It makes no sense. And he starts talking about what he means by died to sin. And and he starts talking about that when, when we became Christians, the Bible says in some way that we died with Christ. That I was crucified. My old man in Adam, who I was in Adam, who is every human being's representative, I, my old man in Adam died. And because I had died, we, you know, I died with Christ. And because I had died with Christ, I was also buried with Christ. And then I was raised with Christ. Those are facts. And again, draw the pictures. I had a couple of people share with me their pictures of you know, dying with Christ, being buried with Christ, raised with Christ. Those are the facts. Those are the facts that we, we, we must understand before we truly can walk in a way that's pleasing to God, before we truly can walk in newness of life, not this lifestyle of sin. And the first step is simply to know these facts, just K-N-O-W, know these facts of chapter 6, verses 1 through, t- 1 through 10. That we died with Christ, we're buried with Christ, we're raised with Christ. The second step is to consider these facts true because they are. <laughs> but you have a step to make here. The Bible can teach you that you've died to sin. If you're a Christian, you've died to sin. You, 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 you've, been, you know, you've died with Christ, been buried with Christ, been raised with Christ. The Bible can teach you those things. But you have a choice here to make, and I have a choice to make, in ter- terms of whether I'm going to consider those things true whether I'm going to believe them. And there will be people here today who say, yeah, I got the facts, but I don't believe them. I don't believe that's true. I just don't. But the third step then in walking in victory or walking in newness of life is to present our bodies to God. Now I understand when you became a Christian, God, here I am, everything I am, my body, my soul, my spirit, everything I am, it belongs to you. But Paul here really makes the, he says, based on the fact that you have died with Christ and been buried with Christ and been raised with Christ, you are now, you are now in Christ instead of being in Adam. He tells us here, that you need to make sure that you once for all have given your body for the Lord to be used using in, in any way that he chooses. And so the three steps are to know, verses 1 through 10, to, to uh, consider the facts true, that's verse 11, and then present, that's in verses you know, 12 and 13. Know, consider, present. Know, consider, present. Learn those things, we're going to draw a cycle with them, uh, pretty soon, but this is how this is how God intends for every Christian to walk. Otherwise, all we do, and this is what I did for twenty years of my Christian life. All I knew was the forgiveness cycle. The forgiveness cycle is you are tempted. 
either by the world or the devil or my flesh. You know, you are tempted in some way. You don't know any other way. You don't know a way to walk in victory, so you give in to that. You sin, and then you apply 1 John 1, 9. You know, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and righteous to or just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness or injustice. So, so you, you, you give in to its sin. You, you, you then confess that sin. You agree with God that what you did was miss his mark, and then then you understand you are forgiven and cleansed based on Jesus' work on the cross and your fellowship with God is restored. And I walked in that forgiveness cycle for probably at least 20 years of my Christian life. That's all I knew. Let me tell you, that is not the victorious Christian life. It's awful. It's miserable. You want to do right. You even know what to do right. And you find you try as hard as you can and you don't succeed. And so, God, I sinned again. I confess that as sin. I agree with you that I missed your mark. Thank you for your forgiveness and cleansing. Thank you that fellowship is restored. I'm tempted again. I give in. I sin. I confess it. You know, I'm forgiven and cleansed. My fellowship is restored. And you just go through that cycle and it just goes round and round and round and round and you don't see any victory in your Christian walk. I'm sure I was a Christian. I really am. Because I wanted to do God's things. But I found myself not walking in newness of life. I found myself walking in this forgiveness cycle. And I'm so thankful that we have that. Thank God. Thank God that he has provided a way. So when I do sin as a Christian, that there is forgiveness and cleansing available when I confess those sins. And my fellowship, the intimate relationship, uh, uh, the closeness I have with God uh, uh, is restored there. It's, it's refreshed. I didn't lose my relationship. I just lost my fellowship with him. I was still his child when I was sinning, but, but I wasn't enjoying the walk of a family. And so... I'm so thankful for the 1 John 1, 9. That's part of the good news. But it's corrective medicine, not preventative. The victory cycle that we're looking at today is, is preventative. You don't have to give in to sin. You don't. I don't either. And so this passage today is really enlightening. So I'd like for us to, we're going to start with verse 1. We're going to go up through verse 14 again. What then, what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin? Because we've just found out you can't sin God's grace, out sin God's grace. We're no longer in Adam, we're now in Christ. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin so that grace may increase? May it never be? How shall we who died to sin still live in it? Or don't you know something? Listen, don't you know these facts? Don't you know that all of us who have been placed into Christ Jesus have been placed into his death? Therefore, we have been buried with him through baptism into death, so that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have become united with him in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, here's that word know again. You have it in verse 3. Don't you know? Verse, verse 6. Knowing this, that our old man, literally our old man, our, who we were in Adam, knowing that our old man was crucified with him in order that our body of sin might be rendered powerless. We saw that's what that, that word 
the way it could be translated there, that our body, this, this fleshly body, might be rendered powerless so that we would no longer be slaves to sin. For he who has died is freed from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, and the Bible says in those first several verses there that we have, if we have died with Christ, we believe we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, is never to die again. Death no longer is master over him. The death that he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life that Jesus lives, he lives to God, and he lives that life in us and through us. So verse 11, even so, Consider yourselves to be dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, don't let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its lusts or urges. And don't go on presenting the members of your body to sin as instruments of unrighteousness or injustice. But present yourselves to God as those alive from the dead and your members, the members of your body, as instruments of righteousness to God. For sin shall not be mastered over you, for you are not under law, but under grace." And just concerning that last verse, because we're not going to spend a whole lot of time on that today, but that last verse, the Bible says not only have we died to sin, but we've also died to the law. And we'll see that in the fall. So when we'll get to chapter 7 through 11. Verses 11 through 14, consider the facts of chapter 6, verses 1 through 10 true, and present your body to God. Verse 11, so you also, because of these facts, you also, even so, consider yourselves or count yourselves to be, because it's a, it's a financial term, the word there, consider, means to count yourselves to be dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Consider is a financial term that means take into account, or if you do a checkbook and you balance it and everything, it's just like if you want to know where you really stand, you, you, you look at the books. You, you calculate it to be true. You, 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 I put on your handout, you, you take a long, slow look at the facts of God in verses 1 through 10, and you come to this settled conviction and confidence in our minds. That's on the handout. Take a long, slow look at the facts of God and come to a settled conviction and confidence in our minds. So it means you think about it. Okay, I, I, look at, I look at the truths that are presented in verses you know, 3 through 10, that I have died with Christ, I've been buried with Christ, I've been raised with Christ. I look at that, and my old man in Adam died, was crucified with Christ, and, and you know, I'm this new person in Jesus Christ. And so we take this long, slow look at the facts of God, and we come to this settled conviction and confidence in our minds. The, the, the books balance, the figures balance, the truths, I, I, I consider them and I see that God has done this and I make the choice to believe it. 
And so we've died with Christ, we've been raised with Christ, and by faith in him, we consider these facts true for you. You consider these facts true. I consider these facts true. I look at the facts and I believe them. I accept them. I have confidence in them. And so the first thing in terms of walking in victory is you need to know the facts. You simply need to know them. And I hope you've drawn this picture. I've died with Christ, been buried with Christ, been raised with Christ. I hope you've drawn a picture of that. And then, you, you know, if you want to draw the, you, you kind of, you're scratching your head and you're kind of looking at the facts and you're, yeah, yeah, I believe that. I believe them, that that's true of me. And then he says in verses 12 and 13, Therefore, therefore, because you know the facts and you consider yourself dead to sin. Why? Because I am. I consider myself alive to God in Christ Jesus. Why? Because I am. I consider those true. Therefore, don't let sin reign in your mortal body that you obey its urges. Why would you do that? It makes no sense. You're a new person in Christ. Your sins have been dealt with. You as a sinner have been dealt with and you're now a holy one. Why would you let sin reign in your mortal body? Why would you continue in a lifestyle of sin when these fa- so that you give in to its urges and its desires and its lusts? In verse 13, And don't go on presenting the members of your body to sin as instruments of unrighteousness. So two things there. Don't let sin reign. Don't go on presenting. Stop it. Stop it. Joel, you've been doing this for 20 years. Stop it. It's not my way of life. But it's based on the facts that you're given in verses 3 through 10. Don't let sin be king in your mortal body so that you obey its desires. It's an illogical action. You're you're not acting on the basis of what God has done and who you are now in Christ. Why would you try to justify a lifestyle of sin? Making choices based on who you are. Don't let sin reign. I put on your handout, not letting sin reign is a deliberate choice. Based on God's facts and are considering them true. And 13, you don't go on presenting, offering the parts of your body to sin as instruments of wickedness. That's another action step that defies Christian logic. God asks, why would you present your, the parts of your body to sin when, when I've, I've, I've done everything that I need to do to make you this new person in Christ and, and you know, dealt with your sins? Why would you do that when you're this new person in Christ, when I put to death the sinner you were and raised you a saint, and your purpose as a Christian is to walk in newness of life, and I've made every provision for that? Why would you give in? Why would you, why would you offer the parts of your body to sin? It just doesn't make sense. 
Why would you hand your body over to be used as a weapon of evil? And so he says there, the response then in the last part of verse 13 is once for all. Instead, once for all, present your body to God. As the person who has been brought from death to life and offer the parts of your body to God as instruments of justice or righteousness. The word present means to put yourself, put your body at the disposal of another. We're to present our unredeemed bodies to God to be used as he sees fit. It only makes sense based on the facts. So it's like a benchmark. This is the way I look at it. It's been very helpful for me. A benchmark is a place, it's kind of a survey thing, but it's a benchmark that you always go back to, and if you lose your place in terms of direction or you know how many feet or everything, you, you, you do a survey and you find that benchmark. It's pounded into the ground, and I encourage us to have a benchmark set in our minds. Hammer it in. And on this day, I presented my body to God once for all. And so you don't have to do this benchmark. You don't have to always be setting new benchmarks. You simply look, if you lose your way, when you give in to sin, when you lose your way, you go back to that benchmark. And remember, Joel, you presented your gift to God, brings us back there. You presented your body to me to be used as an instrument of righteousness or justice. Go back to it. Remember. So know. Consider. And present. Or remember that you present it. And when you do, you find that you reign in life as is talked about in Romans chapter 5, verse 17. And the reason we present is because only God can produce Christ-like behavior in us and through us. We understand these new people we are in Christ still live in these physical bodies that are as yet unredeemed. Sin still dwells in these bodies of flesh and, and sin uses our flesh and the law to tempt us. There's a day coming when, when we'll be separated from the very presence of sin and, redeem, and receive these new redeemed bodies, but not yet. In the meantime, and this is what I put on your handout, know the facts Choose to believe them to be true for the temptation you're facing at the moment. And remember, you've presented your body to God once for all. By faith, set out on a course of obedience based on the facts and believing them. I've always liked this little phrase I came across many years ago. Biblical faith rests upon biblical facts. It's been so helpful to me. That I need to know the facts before I can consider them true and, you know, present my, my body to him to be used as he sees fit. But biblical faith rests upon biblical facts. 
I must know the scripture. This is the value. This is why we this is why we teach the scripture here at the church. Because you really can't exercise biblical faith if you don't know what the biblical facts are. And the biblical facts in this situation is we're dead to sin and alive to God. And so we base our belief upon what God has said. And as you continue to do that, as we keep our eyes on the biblical God and his facts, it makes the truths here presented in this passage progressively become the truths of our daily experience. We start living this out in everyday life. It isn't a, it isn't a once in a while thing. It's an everyday thing. Now we can't skip any of these steps if victory is to be ours. We need to know the facts, we need to consider them true, and we need to present our bodies to God. And for, I'd like for you to find a place on your, on your handout, some place, find it, draw a circle. It needs to be, you know, because you want to write inside of it too, but you want to be right on the outside of it also. But I'd like for you to draw a circle. And on the inside of that circle, I'd like for you to write several words there. One, on the inside of the circle, I'd like for you to write the victory cycle. So you just draw the, uh, like a clock. You draw a circle. On the inside, you write the words, the victory cycle. And on, also on the inside, you want to write Romans chapter 6, verses 1 through 14. And if you don't get it done during this time, go back and watch the video, okay? And you can get it then. Um, but on the inside, write the victory cycle and Romans 6, 1 through 14. And on the outside of the circle, at about 2 o'clock, maybe 1.30, if you want to go to 1.40, it's okay. But around 2 o'clock on the circle, write the word, on the outside of the circle, write the word temptation. So about 1.30 or 2 o'clock, you write the word on the outside of the circle, you write the word temptation. At about 4.30, you write the word no, K-N-O-W. At about 7.30, I'd like for you to write the word consider. And about 10 or 10.30, write the word present. And finally, at high noon, I'd like for you to write the words reign in life, R-E-I-G-N, reign like a king or a queen. Reign in life, chapter 5, just write 5.17. That's the scripture reference. And so when I discovered these, these truths in Romans chapter 6, I find myself basically living in the forgiveness cycle, and I was just going around and around. But, but when I started learning this, I found myself occasionally saying, okay, I don't have to give in to that temptation because that's not who I am anymore, and God has made provision for me to walk in news of life to, so that I don't have to give in to that. And, and so I, I'm still tempted but I go through the facts. I know the facts, K-N-O-W. I know that I am, I've died to sin. I, I know that I've died with Christ, been buried with Christ, been raised with Christ. And that's true for this temptation. I know the facts. And then I go on over to, to you know, to 7 or 7.30 there, and I, I consider those facts true. I believe those facts true for the temptation I'm facing at this moment. 
And then at 10 or 10.30, I go on up and I, God, I, you know, since I've already presented my body to him, I simply remember that I present, you know, I go back to the benchmark. I remember that I presented my body to you, God, so as you see fit. And the Bible says what I know, consider, and present. When I go through that, I reign in life. Life as God intended And I found as time went by, I started spending more time in the victory cycle than I did in the forgiveness cycle. The forgiveness cycle was still there, and when I'd mess up, when I'd sin, I gave in to sin of some kind, I would give in to the pressures of the world or to the devil's attacks or to my flesh's urges. When I I found myself giving in to those things, you know, I went through the forgiveness cycle. God, thank you for your forgiveness. I, I agree with you that I missed your mark. My land, did I ever miss your mark? I sinned. But thank you for your forgiveness and cleansing. And thank you that my fellowship is restored. And now I want to go back over here to the victory cycle. Because that's where I want to live. This is always available. But this is where I want to live. Right here. And I found myself walking more and more of the time in the victory cycle. than the forgiveness cycle. Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ and it's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. These are the facts. I've died with Christ. He's now my life. These are the facts. Dead with Christ, alive in Christ, his life in me. And Paul goes on to say, and the life which I now live in the body, I live by faith. You know, consider and present. I live by faith in the loving son of God. And if we understand these truths, as we've been saying the last couple of weeks, we need to realize as Christians, now when we sin, it's because we choose to, not because we have to. If we let sin reign, if you let, you know, if we let sin reign, our slavery is voluntary, not mandatory. It's not even who we are anymore. And so verse 14, since a Christian, it doesn't make sense for sin to be our master. See, if we're still under law, we're still slaves to sin. The law has no ability to deliver the sinner. But as Christians, we're no longer under the law, we're under God's grace. Grace, grace, God's grace. Grace that is greater than all of our sin. And we're going to see in chapter 7 and 8 that the indwelling Holy Spirit will fulfill the law's requirements. It isn't our work, it's His work, and He'll do that in us and through us. So on your handout, I've got know, verses 1 through 10. Consider, verse 11. Present, verses 12 through 14. Have you memorized these three steps and do you fully understand what they mean and how to use them when temptation comes? And what is your focus on the flesh with its urges or on Jesus and the new you he's made you? God's purpose in creation and redemption is for his glory and for your glory so that people will see God, the essence of who God is in us and through us. Let's reign in life as, as full provision has been made. What choices are you making when tempted by the world, the flesh, or the devil? 
because of who God has made each Christian, let's walk in a God-pleasing way. And so when somebody comes to you and says, man, I'm really struggling with this temptation, take them through. Take them through this, the victory cycle. Take them through the forgiveness cycle too. But, but we want to live in the victory cycle. Take them through that. That's, that's, so, that's exactly what is pleasing to our Lord. And so the prayer I have written down there, our reconciling God, grace should never be used as an excuse to sin. Your reconciliation and grace included dramatic changes in our lives. We're no longer who we used to be. We're now new in Christ and in the Spirit. And so, that just makes sense, so newness of life, holiness, should be our daily walk. And so it becomes very personal when you ask the question, have I taken these facts into account? Do I consider them true or believe them? Have I acted on these truths, not presenting my body to sin, but instead presenting it to you? Am I on a path of faith and obedience? And God, please reveal your honest answers to my questions. I want to walk in your ways. I want to please you in all respects. I want newness of life to be seen through my body. Thank you for making every provision so I can walk in victory over sin. I love you. And Jesus, your cross and resurrection made it possible to walk in victory. And thank you.